Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of The Connection. I'm back. Yay. This is Ann Baldwin along with Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, President and CEO of The Connection. Good morning. Good morning. How are things? You had a birthday. I had a birth. Don't say the number. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I did. Don't you love it now, though? It's kind of like it's not a birthday. It's like birthday week. Birthday week, I like. Didn't you get a birthday week? I saw you out whining and dining and getting presents from all kinds of people and all making kinds wine. of making wine with your with your beautiful husband and cute son and doing all kinds of fun things. All kinds of fun stuff. That's great. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank you. It's been a while since we've been together here on the show. Um not a whole lot has happened with me other than the fact I put this uh, blue streak in my hair. I like it. I was just told, literally 20 minutes ago, it has to go. Why? By, by my business manager. He said, he goes, would you wear that if you were still anchoring the news? I said, no, but I'm not anchoring the news. And he goes, well, it's just not professional and it doesn't set a good message for your clients, send a good message for your clients. He said it would be one thing if it were pink and you were doing it in observance of breast mm -hmm. cancer or if you were doing it for some reason other than you're crazy, then it would be justified. But if you're not doing it for a particular reason, it's got to go. Well, you see, for all you folks out there that are Red Sox fans, I am a New York Yankees fan. However, don't make that, don't stop listening to the show because I said that. (laughs) They might. So if they won. You could have said that's why you had it, but they didn't, so we can't go down that road. No, we can't go down that road. So anyway, I'm going to make an appointment because I I love constructive feedback and constructive criticism. So if someone who helps me run my show here at Baldwin Media doesn't like it, I'll take it out. Case closed. I'm going to let that one go. Okay. So there's that. And then I got to just share this. I walked into a meeting the other night, and the person who was supposed to chair the meeting wasn't feeling well, so they asked me to chair the meeting, and it made my day. Really? What it was, was it so about? much fun. My topic was, because um, I, I just really think when you have the responsibility of chairing a meeting that you should give some good thought to what it is that you're going to talk about. And sometimes people don't do that. So I'm not saying that's wrong, but, you know, there's different topics you can pick out of a book or you can come up with your own. So mine was, I told the story of... My father, who recently got us kicked out oh, of right. a place in Maine um, because of his bad judgment. Right. And then the latest one that I haven't shared with you um, is my soon-to-be 80-year-old mother called me. And there's this guy in her singles group that wants to date her. He's like 10 years younger, okay? So she's asking me questions that like a teenage girl would ask if she's about to date a guy. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Okay. So I had to give my mom that kind of advice. 
um, because she goes, tonight is over at his house for pizza, so you know what that means. I go, I know what that means. So then the next day, we, I checked in. Wasn't that great? I said, that's all right. It can get better. And then she said, but I have another issue. And I said, what's that? He's a nudist. Swear yeah. to God. Come on. I swear to God. I swear to God. So and He's 80? No, he's like 70. She's 80. So the, I said, oh, my God, Mom, are you going to be a nudist now? <laughs> I don't I, mean to laugh. I know, but, but she's had four kids, man. I don't. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> so she said that, no, she's not going to become a nudist, but she's going to some events with him. I said, I have a question. I want you to follow up with me. I said, where do they, what do they do when they sit down? Like, what's that up? What's up with that? Well, they carry around a little towel that they sit on. Is she going to go and... She went, but she kept her clothes on. So she says. So she says. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, my 80-year-old mom is dating again, and she's dating a nudist. So anyway, back to the meeting that I got to host. My topic was people, places, and things. You're supposed to change those when you're in recovery, but what if you can't? You know, your parents are your parents. Those are your people. So I kind of shared briefly those two stories. I said, so if you were going to write a book, what would, your, what would the title of your book be? And the title of my book was, You Can't Make This... Blank up. Stuff up. And everybody, re- it was really fun. It was really good. So anyway, that's that. I just wanted to share those two things because well, you and I haven't had a chance to chat. Well, so just two seconds yeah. on the parental. It's hard raising your parents. Oh, my God. All, it's role respect. reversal, isn't it? So my mother is falling, and she came to visit, and it's really sad. She misses my stepdad that passed away. And so uh, long story short is I took her to... Um, uh, Atria Larson Place in Hamden, Connecticut, and I don't often make a plug, but I do want to say that I was so moved and touched by the level of humanity, dignity, and respect that folks there uh, show to um, our parents who are in our age group. And um, I have to tell you that I'm hoping that my mom will go there. A special shout out to Liz. I love you at Atria. You're amazing. Um, but this is what I'm going to say. Four of my friends from high school all have their parents there. So you can imagine um, when I went home later that night, I had a complete meltdown by myself oh, yeah. Yeah. because I realized, you know, I'm looking, I remember all of the, my parent, my friend's parents as being where I am and now here I am. Yep. And getting back to what you said, the serenity prayer, I'm not going to get overly religious, but I think I, I keep trying to practice um, that I have to accept my parents and family for who they are and that I have to move on and try to not let it really get to me. But it is di- it's difficult at times, but it is really hard. Mm-hmm. It is hard. And, you know, we talked about our parents before in another show, and I actually got an email from a listener. Because we had said, you know, wouldn't it kind of be fun if we had like a support group or if we wrote a book and everybody could contribute a chapter or a few pages on their experience and their el- aging parents. And this woman said, do it. She goes, it would be a bestseller. And she goes, my sister and I have already talked. We have, we could contribute so much material. Um, so, you know, you can look at it that way. But, you know, like after my dad, you know, peed in the bucket at the resort, we got kicked out. You know, that wasn't funny then. I mean, I told you, I cried harder than when I put my dog down, just about as hard. But now I can laugh about it. You know, I can. Because if I don't laugh, I'm going to go crazy. I- 
The and psych- I'm not saying your stuff is laughable, though. It's serious stuff. But somewhere in there, Lisa, no, there's, no, you find the humor, right? Well, there's humor. I'm not going to get into it on this show, but yeah. we can do a show about that. But there, there is things that are, it's really the cycle of life. And now we're really the parents. We are the we are playing the parental road for our parents, like you said, with your mom calling. And it is really a difficult adjustment. And it's very hard. And it's mm-hmm. sad and hard. And can be we have to find humor in it but i have to tell you that i'm not enjoying i it's really it's really yeah sad. but get, you know, like you said if you find the right fit and you find a good place and she can adjust it's better for everybody it's better for her it's better for you it's better it's just better you know it's just better well well okay now we're going to go from aging parents to prison and women in prison <laughs> How's that for a transition? A segue. Yeah, if I were a producer, of, yeah, nice segue. If I were producing the newscast, I'd be fired, but I'm not. Well, we're talking about the cycle of life and people exactly. Through life and things there you that go. People go through, and so we have. I'm um, very excited that uh, sitting to my right is Patrick Fallon, who is the service area director for community justice programs at the at the Connection, and uh, one of our best dressed males in our agency. By the way, he smells pretty good too. Is that you? No, that's him. Probably. Yeah, like you smell really good. I don't I don't know if it's Lisa. I know I know a dude smell from a female smell and that smells like a dude smell. A so man anyway. smell. Okay, so anyway. <laughs> so so thanks for uh your fine attire and your nice cologne and uh Lisa I'll the let great you work. and the great work because it's a new program and, yeah. and we have a new program. Yeah. So Patrick, welcome again. You've been on the show before. Tell yep. us about um the new program at the connection that we're running for women. I'm so excited. Yes. We, we recently opened a 14-bed um, women's work release program um, in Middletown, Connecticut, on Liberty Street. Um, so Department of Corrections came to us a couple of years ago. Um, us By us, I mean providers. And we began taking a look at um, the incarceration rates of women. Um, Connecticut has done a really great job bringing the total incarceration rate down in the state, but the women have stayed flat. Um, in fact, if you go to various studies by the Vera Institute, the sentencing project and the um, public policy initiative, you see that since 1978, 1980, until about 2016, um, women incarceration rates increased by 700%. Um, I think it's been uh, societies um, casting a large net for nonviolent offenses. So we have a lot of these women that are getting incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses and property offenses. Um, And it really affects the system. It strains the system as a whole because over 60% of these, these women who are being incarcerated are single mothers and caregivers to children. So what happens is the whole system gets incarcerated, the whole family system. Correct. Right, because you think about the trickle-down effect, right? right? So moms in prison, kids maybe then end up in DCF or foster care, and, and it's one thing after another. So it's called the um, the Connection Housework Release Program. You talked about it having capacity for 14 women. Right. So um, I'm looking here at the features of this house, and it's... Uh, because you, we want people here listening to this program to be able to create their own picture, right? right? So this is pretty incredible because the house features, 
you know, not only the rooms for the nine residents, but it's got three full bathrooms, right. uh, a kitchen, living room, dining room, outdoor space. Um, you know, there's there's sports that women's can, women can take part in. So, um, and you also have a program on sustainable employment. So it's like some of these folks, I would assume, Patrick, need to rebuild their life skills, right? De- right. Depending on, okay, so you get out, you've been incarcerated, now what? Well, women women um, are incarcerated for, for different reasons than men. Um, the women that come into to the Department of Corrections tend to be more trauma-affected, um, have substance abuse issues. Um, so the really exciting thing about creating this program was it's a residential house. <clears throat> so we're able to create a safe environment for the women. When Anytime you're treating trauma, the first step is to create a safe environment. Um, I believe there's no change without vulnerability, and us as human beings do not become vulnerable unless we feel safe. Um, the fact that this is a residential house leads to a safe environment for the women. So they, they come, they connect as a community, they cook for each other, they have chores, they go to 12-step meetings together, they go to maybe mental health appointments, they travel together. So they really learn to emotionally support each other, which is far different than what I deal with in, in the men's facilities. Men are less emotionally attached. Um, the women in Connection House, I'm learning a lot about emotional attachment and how women process emotions. Um, it's really amazing. It is. So um, is this like a one step in a new direction, Lisa, for the connection? Um, it sounds like this is you know, a vision that is, is coming to fruition, but it's, it's not of huge capacity. So where do you go from here? What's your goal? It's, is it a new vision? In the sense of treating women, it is not a new vision. And in the sense of residential um, programs for women, it is not a new vision. It's the vision that brought me to the agency. The fact that the Department of Correction has made these um, phenomenal changes and are realizing that you know women need more treatment that are coming out of um, the prison system is uh, incredible and great. And the hope would be that in, in the future that we would be able to continue to um, have more bed capacity, right, as we move forward. So that would be a goal in general, not just women coming out of incarceration, but women in general, because we know um, from research and the work that we've done these past uh, t- 25 plus years that women coming into treatment um, are making, it's making a huge difference. There are a multitude of, cli- of former clients that I'm still in contact with whose children I held as babies who are, you know, in their 20s and are working and have gone on to college and become amazing moms and are true role models. Um, we've got clients um, that are employed by our organization now that were clients of ours 20 years ago. Um, published clients that are now published, master's degree, you name it. We've seen all of it. It's amazing. Um, we are behind the times in general as a society, not, I'm not saying Connecticut, as a society, not realizing that women um, need treatment. Um, certainly, you know, we're not, you know, you and I are not going to get on this topic now. We are going to talk about it, you know, not necessarily the Me Too, but more of the fact that. Um, Women are able to talk more openly now about the fact that they have been. I'm talking about, you know, sexual molestation and really severe trauma, real, you know, abuse. And um, our society, I think, is starting to realize that people need treatment and 
people are, I, you know, my whole thing is this. Everyone is born, everyone's born, um, everyone that is born has a human right, has a soul, is no different than you and I or anyone else, right? And they all deserve a second chance. How many, you know, sort of, well, how many chances would you give someone? Well, if you love, you know, are, aren't everyone listening? Are you all out there and you are worth one one more chance. How about 10 more chances? Um, we all make mistakes. We're not perfect. Um, some of us have had support in the past to, you know, have perhaps a better path, a road. But you know what? All three of us sitting in this room right now, we're, we are one second away from a bad decision. It doesn't really matter. It, you know, every decision we make after we leave this office is our path. So we have choices, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going off on a tangent. I think that we want to we want to serve more women. Bottom line, we want to serve more, more women because women need services and there are not enough. And, and I think our partners in this, the Department of Corrections, has, has done a phenomenal, phenomenal. job yeah. in recognizing that women have different needs than men. So, mm -hmm. um, they've gone out of their way to create women's units yes. to supervise the women coming back into society. They've utilized gender-specific assessments um, so that we touch on women's specific risk and needs and help them deal with the things that they need to deal with to put them in the best position to be successful when they leave us. Um, I, I really do take my hat off to the Department of Corrections for the amount of work that they've put into creating a gender-specific model for women. It, it's it's Great. It's right. refreshing. It is, you it's know, so and good. I've even seen the culture at the Department of Correction change over the years. I mean, when I worked at Channel 30, we worked with them quite a bit, you know, do, doing different stories and going into the different um, facilities and things. But I've seen a big culture change um, yeah. with the Department of Correction and, you know, commissioners that have come in here now and they get it and they understand that, look, we can't just lock everybody up and hope that they stay there because... A, there isn't room, and B, you know, you talk about cost. If these folks can be um, re-entered into society, if they can be reunited with their children, who benefits from that? Society, society. does. Absolutely. Taxpayers do. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we're going to ignore it, uh, bury our head in the sand. You're, the commitment that the Department of Correction, for example, is making um, is huge because it's impacting our community to improve the community to improve the community, not make it worse. Everyone is worth getting taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. So this is what their focus is now, and they understand that. And that's I my hat's off to, to the department. So I'm going to ask a question that some people out there listening to this program, Patrick, mm -hmm. probably have right now. Let's just be honest. Right. And that is, I don't want these people in my neighborhood. I don't want these people in my backyard. I don't want these people to be let out because they're strung out on drugs. They're they're criminals. They were in prison for a reason. How do you respond to that? Um, I take a, a view of I need to look at the person and not ask what they did, but what happened to them. Um, and, and try to help them cope with what happened to them that led to them taking on a life of crime. Um, to circle back a little bit, you, know, you touched on, on, on the children of these women that are in this program. Us reuniting these people with their children is huge. If we don't, these children go into the DCF foster care system. And we know, 
you look at any study, children that go through the foster care system are much more likely to end up incarcerated. So it, it increases the cycle one, two, three fold, depending on how many children these mothers have. So there's a huge tax benefit to this. Um, as far as locking people up and throwing away the key, the reality is is 90% of these people who are incarcerated are coming home. Do we want them come to come home with the skills needed to not commit more crimes, to not become dependent on drugs again? Or do we just want to lock them up and send them out without any help to address their problems? I think as a state, we tried that. It didn't work. Right. You know, we, we, we like cannot fiscally afford to do that anymore. Right. So it's almost like we're being forced. Um, to become more progressive in the way we handle corrections and pretrial, um, and it's a good thing. It, it is. Why did they? Or did they pick you? Did they pick the connection? How did this? Um, we'll call it collaboration between the Department of Correction and the connection come together. Relationship going on. We've been have we've the connections had a, a long uh, term uh, standing relationship with Department of Correction, um, stemming back many, many, many years, even before I started. Um, and we've run many programs and have really worked to collaborate with them. So they know of our work. They um, know of all the other programs that we run and knew that we had a history working with women in the past. Right. And really it was conversations that happened with, with Patrick and um, staff up at DOC. And um, they, gave, they gave us an opportunity, and we're running with it. I, th I think one of the... the largest benefits we have as an agency is that we are known for doing women's and children's services. Uh, we have a, a documented excellent track record of um, helping women conquer problems that they have, reuniting them with their children, and going on to being, being productive citizens. So that, I think that played a big role when the conversation came up about women, I was able to look at other people in the agency that do women and children's work and ask them, hey, what works? Mm -hmm. And they said, well, this works, this works. So I was able to... Not to only say, what works, but what doesn't work. Right, what doesn't work. Right. So how do people uh, get referred to the program then? Is it you have to something you qualify while you're incarcerated? Because, you know, that's... When you talk about having, you know, this many rooms, you got 14 women in a program, that's not a lot. There's a lot no. more than 14 people, and women in prison. Unfortunately, there's, there's a huge gap in services when it comes to um, helping women both pretrial through diversion and reentry through coming home from incarceration. Um, the way the women get into our program is, is they come upon the end of their sentence or the beginning of their parole and... They really don't have anywhere to go. Um, a lot of these women have no safe place to go when they leave Department of Corrections. Um, it's almost, I, I, I had a, a, a woman in, in Connection House say to me, it was almost like hitting the lottery when she got mm. chosen to come yeah. to a halfway house because there's so few beds. Right. Um, so you, you have to, the stars have to line up for you as a woman incarcerated to end up in one of the few work release programs that we have. But what, what the women are learning in this model is so key to success, and that is 
you know, learning how to deal with other women in a different environment. Women are not the quote-unquote enemy. Um, sharing stories, understanding, um, being around other people who have um, lived, you know, similar, very different, perhaps different upbringings, but similar threads that, that run through. Mm-hmm. Tr- building trust, self-esteem learning how to maneuver the system, getting, you know, reintegrating back into the community and what that's like, um, getting a job, learning how to be a good parent, um, learning how to save money, you know, learning how to do the day-to-day things that we take for granted um, and really working on those um, specific issues of trauma while they're with us because they're, they're severe and they need to be worked on. And oh, I'm sure you both could tell just horror stories. Oh, it's I mean, you know, I, I sit here and you, you say sexual abuse or you say trauma and you know we all have our vision of what that is but I don't think most of us have any reality of what it what it could be and what it has so many horrendous right so So, I mean it's it's just I've seen it all it's all relative and you know you talk too, Patrick about you know the secular nature of all this stuff you know and it might seem basic to us you know just basic uh, financial liter- literacy, but maybe they didn't have a mom or a dad to teach them that. Maybe that's why they fell down because they didn't have life skills and, you know, found themselves in that situation. So those things sound so simple to some of us, but they're so, it's such a necessity. But but we've seen, you know, again, we've seen women coming into, and it's the same thing, women coming into treatment that have come from very affluent families mm. where everything seems picture perfect. And then as you you know, find you know, start to find out that yeah, there was a mom and dad, but mom was an alcoholic, and they were able to hide it because you know, dad, they have all this money, and they have cars, and they have all these material things. But then you know, you find out that you know, someone in the family was sexually molesting this person, and everyone turned a blind eye, and they knew it was happening um, because the person that was you know committing this crime is is some other person that well, they want to protect their you know their reputation. So I'm trying to what I'm and these are real stories. All right, so what I'm trying to say is that. You can't judge a book by its cover, period. You know, oh, it's only minority. Oh, it's only this. It's only that. That is so untrue. Mm-hmm. What happens when you are, you're someone in your family or someone, a babysitter or, or someone is sexually molesting you and you feel like you can't go to anyone else, irregardless, are you going to over and over and over again and you, you're told that you're not worth anything, okay? And there's no one there who picks up the cue. So what happens when you get older? Are you going to make good choices? Are you going to feel good about yourself? Are you Perhaps you're going to turn to drugs and alcohol to numb the fact that you're in so much pain. Right. This is what we're dealing with. People don't choose one day, oh, I think I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be a substance abuser today because I just feel like it. Right. You have to peel off the, the, the layers of the onion. So one, one of the things I stress to all the people that work within the community justice programs at The Connection is that the most misused word in community corrections or community justice is rehabilitation. We can rehabilitation is to rebuild something that, that's already been built. Uh, we have to truly meet people where they're at and not assume that they have these basic skills, mm-hmm. right? If if we if we start working with you with the assumption that you know how to balance a checkbook, you know how to open a savings account, then we're doing you a disservice. We we need to start at the beginning with everybody and truly meet them where they're at. And what a task, yeah. you know, p- digging into these people individually as individuals. I mean, that's one on one. Yeah. 
That's one-on-one. -on -one. That's not, you know, sitting, you know, 10 people down and saying, okay, now all of you, I'm assuming you have the same issues, so we're going to treat it this way. So I, I just think I really applaud that. I think it's fantastic. And Patrick, I know you Thank just, you. you really, your heart and soul is in this thing and, um, you know, continued success. You know, this was a vision you had and, and relationship building that you did to make this happen. And, you know, as a result, the state of Connecticut is better off for it, right? If you want information on um, this particular program or any of the great programs they have at The Connection, uh, we encourage you to go to their website at theconnectioninc.org. Again, that's theconnectioninc.org. Well, Miss Lisa, it was nice hanging out with you today. This was a great show. It was. It's great to see you. Patrick, thank you again for your continued great work at the, at the agency. And it's good to see you, Anne. Thank you. And again, if you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hello, um, you can email me at Anne, A-N-N, at baldwinmedia.net. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.